All right. Um, I'm uh, much more comfortable back there than up here, but I was thinking as we were um, as we were singing that song about you know for our awakened breath for everything we depend on Him, and so it's very humbling to stand up here before you guys and those of you that have done this, or if you've led a small group, it's it's very humbling to be in this position. Um, David always does a good job of of picking the right songs uh, for sermons, and uh, I know you guys know that from experience being in here. So who else has been enjoying the, uh, the Psalms study that we've been doing? I really enjoyed getting to hear different people up here and just the different Psalms, and um, it's been a good time. I've enjoyed it. So uh, when Chad asked uh, those of us to do it, and he said we could pick whatever Psalm we wanted, I went to Psalm 139. This one's always been my favorite. Um, you know, as we've been looking through the Psalms, you see there's Psalms of lament, there's Psalms of praise, there's Psalms of thanksgiving, um, Psalms of meditation, Psalms of prayer. And like, it just kind of feels like whatever you have going on, you can find a Psalm that can speak to what's going on in your life. And this one, to me, in a way, kind of has a lot of those characteristics uh, to it. Uh, I did kind of snicker whenever Ernest was up here and he asked if anyone's favorite Psalm was the one that he was doing and there was no hands raised. I was like, I should have done that because then you guys wouldn't know the Psalm. But I think this one's pretty popular. You guys know a lot about it. Um, but let's, let's look at Psalm 139 together. Uh, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Okay, so it's a little bit of a roadmap of where we're going to go. Uh, we're going to kind of take this in four chunks, um, and you're going to see throughout the, this passage, or you may have already seen, is that 
it kind of points to all the attributes of God. He's all-knowing. He's always present. He's all-powerful. He's just. Um, and that's kind of how we're going to do this. So the first one we're going to look at is God knows everything, and that includes everything about you. That's going to look verses 1 through 6. So you may have heard this big word we've used before called omniscient, used to describe God in this way. Um, and you're going to see four truths in this first uh, set of six verses. The first one is he knows what's in our hearts and what we are thinking. Verse two, you discern my thoughts from afar. That, you don't get very far to me in this passage and where you pause uh, to stop and think about the fact that he knows your thoughts. Uh, I think I'm not the only one that that gets, gets their attention. Um, stop and think about for a second all the things that you dwell on, that you think about. Um, I think for most of us, if we're honest, it's not always good. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I feel like that's a pretty good description of what we're talking about here. You think about how you feel exposed when you don't have any clothes on, but that's the way God can see all of it. He can see all of the things that we do inside and out, the things that we say, the things that we think. Um, some of us do a really good job of filtering our mouth. Some of us not so much, but even those of us that do, if we're filtering what we say, if we're thinking it, even though we don't say it to the person, he still knows those thoughts, right? Um, what are our thoughts say about who we are as a believer and where we are in our walk with the Lord. Um, and I'd ask this question, do you believe that you can manage your thoughts? You can control what you think on. Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Another verse we talked about this morning, or we talked about before, finally, uh, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and there anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's where you start to see that there is uh, a way that you can control your thoughts. You can start to think about the things that you're supposed to be thinking on. Um, Kent Hughes, in reference to this passage of Philippians 4, 8, he says, each of Paul's ingredients is explicitly positive. The true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, and the admirable all defy negative exposition. Each ingredient was and is a matter of personal choice, and our choices make all the difference in the world. We all can choose a thought program that will produce a Christian mind. What is it that you're thinking on daily? What is it, how, when you are quiet and there's no external noise, what are the things that you think on? Uh, Danny Aiken, when he's talking about Psalm 139, says, David knew, as we must know, that wrong ideas about God will inevitably lead to wrong ideas about ourselves. Wrong thinking can tragically lead to wrong decisions, leading to the wrong path, resulting in the wrong eternal destiny. It matters what we think on. It matters what we think about the word. It matters how you uh, process and take in what you're reading and what you believe on who God is and what he's capable of and what he does for us every day. Um, I once heard it kind of described this way. If you think of your mind as kind of a um, traffic control tower, you know, when they go to the airport, the tower decides which planes can land and which ones can take off. Um, and they're just circling around waiting for permission. So if you think about there's all kinds of negative thoughts, impure thoughts just floating around your mind gives, gives the permission for them to land and you can dwell on it and think about things you're not supposed to be thinking about. Um, you hear people talk about garbage in, garbage out, right? 
what are we allowing in our, on our minds? What are we watching? What are we reading? Um, what are we spending time with? And it all adds up. Um, there's a survey in, that said in 2018 that America, that's a couple years ago, but Americans spent 11 hours a day on some source of media. And I think all of us, you know, try to filter that where we need to filter that. One of the things I try to, to do is set a time limit on my phone on how much I'm on social media because I don't want to get sucked in because we get sucked in, right? And sure, there's positive things or sometimes what we call neutral things, but there's a whole lot of negative. There's a whole lot of things that we don't need to be dwelling on that we don't need to be thinking about. And it's real easy to slip into those things. Um, another survey that Barna Research did uh, said in 2021, 29% of Americans never read their Bible and only 5% read it daily. 5% read it daily. If we're gonna think on the things of the Lord, if we're gonna flood our minds with the things of the Lord, we've gotta spend time with him. We gotta spend time reading his word. We gotta turn things off and focus in on what he has for us each day. How many times are we focused on what is just, what is true, what is honorable, what is pure? One of the things that I like to do to, to help control my thought life is use scripture. Memorize passages of scripture that help you zone in to where you need to be. My favorite is Psalm 51.10. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When I feel my mind start to drift, I can repeat that verse. Pure heart in me, Lord. Renew my spirit to where it's supposed to be. So according to scripture, then we can re renew our minds. We can focus on and think of the things that we're supposed to be thinking about. Um, the second thing in these first six verses here is he knows our actions. Back to verse two, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up and continuing in verse three, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. We can't hide. We can't hide our sin and we can't hide in darkness. I think lots of times we think when we're in the dark or we're by ourselves or where nobody else knows, he knows. He still knows we can't hide from him. He wins hide and seek every time. Um, of course, also it's not all negative. If he knows everywhere we are in our actions, he also knows the good things that we do for him, right? Um, he knows when we share the gospel to our neighbor like we're supposed to. He knows when we exhibit the fruits of the spirit. And I don't say that like there's a balancing scale, like we're trying to weigh our good with our bad because we know that through faith alone, through Christ alone, not by works, right? But if we're followers of him, if we're living out our walk, then we should have fruit. Um, and I think about like this as a, a for children, um, they want their parents to see what they're doing, right? They like, they wanna see when they do something good, they're like, hey mom, watch this. Um, so there can be some comfort to us in this passage that yes, he knows all the bad things that we do, but just knowing that he's watching over us, right? You, you, as a child, you don't want to get very far from your parents. You're like, we want to make sure that you can still kind of see them so that you don't um, uh, get tripped up, get scared. You want to know that they're watching over you. So you can find comfort that he always knows where we are and he knows when we're hurting. He knows when we're sad. He knows when we're struggling. Um, the, the third thing in this verse six, first six verses is he knows what we say. Verse four, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. When we speak harshly to each other, when we are short with our spouses or um, we don't handle our children's discipline the way we should, he hears all of it. And he knows it before we even utter it. Um, this morning, Chad talked about in Ephesians, Ephesians 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And I think this one kind of hits it a little bit more right between the eyes, James 3, 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staying the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. James always just kind of like right there. It's a good reminder though of our tongues and that he knows what we're saying. He knows the things that we um, utter when we shouldn't, when we do it in anger or we don't stop and think before we speak. And so it's, these are good reminders for us to have. The fourth thing in these first six verses is he protects us and surrounds us. Verse five through six, you hend me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for, for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Again, I still think about uh, a parent and a child example. Um, when you're in a crowd or you're about to tr cross a busy street, you put your hand on that child. You either grab their hand or you steady them. You know, you have your hand guiding them and making sure that they're safe. And when I think about this passage, I think about that as God having us and guiding us and making sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, A.W. Tozer, when looking at Psalm 139, says it this way, God perfectly knows himself and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in centuries or ages yet unborn. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised. He's never amazed. And he never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask questions. I always like quotes like that because those guys put it in words way better than I can. It's, it's beyond what we can grasp and understand, right? But if all these things are true about him and we know these things are true about him, then church family, why do we act like there's things going on in our lives that he can't handle? And we all do this. You guys will come to us or we'll go to each other and we'll talk about what's going on. And the next question is, hey, have you prayed about that? No, I hadn't really done that. Why? Why would we not take whatever is going on to him why do we not look to his promises that he knows it all, even before we, it happens to us? He's not shocked. He's not knocked back like we are. He's not surprised. He knows it long before it happens. So why not spend time talking to him about it? All right, the second truth. Uh, God is always present and holding, and I'm sorry, God is always present and nothing is hidden from his sight. This is in verses seven through 12. Uh, we talked about God being omniscient. Now we're gonna look at God's omnipresence. He is everywhere. Verse seven and eight, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24 says, am I God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Everywhere you go, he is there. And no matter where you go, he's gonna lead you and hold you 
Verse nine, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And we just talked about the example of the parent leading the child across the road. I also think about if you've ever been um, somewhere on someone's land that you've never been there before, but they know all the places and they're taking you by the hand, making sure you don't fall in the hole that's over here, the log that's down over here. He's guiding your steps to make sure you don't trip up. C.S. Lewis says, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. We see in scripture, you know, Adam and Eve tried to run from the Lord, tried to hide. Jonah tried to run from the Lord, tried to hide. Others, um, it's, they failed just like we're gonna fail if we do. Uh, the third truth, God is all powerful and knows every detail about each one of us. This is in verses 13 through 18. Um, so this one's gonna show that he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. This next verse, verse 13, I think that every single one of us should have plastered on our mirror. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You are not an accident. I don't care if you were planned. I don't care if you were given up for adoption. I don't care if you were born with disabilities, if you were born with some kind of birth defect. All of us were fearfully and wonderfully made, every single one of us. Think about some of the details of our body. David, when he was preaching last week, talked about our, our ears and how our brains work with hearing. Listen to some more fascinating facts about our bodies. A single thread of DNA from one human cell contains enough information equivalent to a library of a thousand volumes, or put another way, 600,000 printed pages with 500 words on every page. At conception, one embryo has the equivalent of 50 times the amount of information contained in the whole entire Cyclopedia Britannica. The human brain has 80 to 90 billion neurons and each neuron has the capability to connect to 10,000 other neurons, which adds up to 800 trillion connections. The human brain can process up to 74 gigabytes of information a day. Our eyes can focus on about 50 things per second. Our nose is capable of remembering 50,000 different scents. The DNA in all the cells in the body would stretch 10 billion miles if you uncoiled it. Your DNA, by the way, has the only one like it. Your fingerprint is also the only one like it. And think about how many billions of people there are in the world. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Spurgeon says, the psalmist had scarcely peered in within the veil, which hides the nerves and the sinews and the blood vessels from common inspection. The science of anatomy was quite unknown to him, and yet he had seen enough to arouse his admiration of the work and his reverence for the worker. And like David was saying last week, we only know like this much. Like, and we've learned so much over the years about the brain and our body and, and um, doctors and scientists have figured all that stuff out. I can't imagine how they don't look at that stuff and just go, wow, <laughs> right? I mean, like 
How can you look at that and not see the creator? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Honestly, what do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror every day? We do such a good job, myself included, of nitpicking everything about us, things we wish we looked like, ways we wish we looked like, things we wish we could do, abilities we wish we had. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm not saying that we need to be arrogant or boastful, but we do need to remind ourselves daily that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created for a purpose. We were all created to do his will and bring all the glory back to him, the creator who made us. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. God's thoughts are beyond anything that we can comprehend. We are like David, unable to count them. Uh, in this passage, is, he's trying and he falls asleep and when he wakes up, God's still there. I like to look at it this way. We could go to heaven, sit on a porch with God, listening to him for a million years and barely just begun to grasp what he knows. Last truth, verses 19 through 24. God is just and will bring justice in his timing. You kind of get the little small little lament here David has in this part of the psalm. Verse 19, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. David hates his enemies. I thought this morning when Chad was talking about righteous anger, in this case, David's upset about people that are blaspheming the name of the Lord. Um, and they're enemies to him. They are rising up against his plan. They speak with you with malicious intent. They take your name in vain. But David concludes with the only thing left to do, when you think about all the things that we talked about, he concludes with looking inward, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And when you read this passage and others like it, it doesn't take long to start to look inside, right? What are the things that we're thinking on? What are the things that we're, how are we talking to each other? All of these verses point to the awesome power of the Lord. And of course, that should bring us to our knees, right? That should bring us to a place of repentance. We've talked about how much he already knows everything we think, say, and do. He obviously knows all of our sin too, right? Essentially, we're asking him to reveal our sin to us all and lead us to his way of everlasting. So things that I want us to focus on is how we were carefully, intricately woven and shaped into God wanted us to be. That he knows everything about you, all your flaws, all the things that you struggle with, and yet you are still fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nowhere you can run or hide from him. And his ways are so high and vast that we can't comprehend them. We need daily for him to search us and root out all of our sin. I wanna do something a little bit different tonight. Um, I typically talk fast, so I know I'd get done a little early, but so I had some time left over. But what I thought we would do is spend some time in prayer. Um, 
you can come in front if you want to. You can kneel at your chair if you want to. Um, but a couple of things I want you to focus on is first and foremost, you kind of think about the pattern, giving him adoration for who he is and what he's done. Um, confessing your sin to him. Um, thanking him for all the things that he's done for you. Helping him, helping you examine your, your heart and see where you are with sin. So what I'm gonna do is we'll do about uh, five or so minutes um, of prayer and then I'm gonna close us out.
Father, we do give you all the praise and all the glory. It doesn't take long to read your word and just be in awe of how powerful you are. Father, I do pray that we are daily reminded of what you can accomplish in our lives, that there's nothing too great, too hard, too difficult for you. I'm so thankful that you saw fit, even after seeing our thoughts and seeing the things that we say and seeing our actions, that you still saw fit to send your son down the cross for us. Father, as we gather here tonight, I know I've got a Sunday night crowd, so they all want to be here, but you know exactly what's going on in their lives even if I don't, Father, and even some of that I do know is, is hard enough, Father, for us to even comprehend and think. And we sometimes just don't even know what to say or what to do or how to help, but you do, Father, and you know exactly what they need. So I pray for each and every one of the people that are in this room right now, Father, that you would speak to them with whatever struggles they're going with, they're dealing with. If it's a sin struggle, Father, I pray you help them defeat that sin. If it's a tough decision that they've got to make, in life, whether it be with job or school or future or finances or health, that you give them exactly what they need, Father, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, that they would have a clarity from you like never before, that they would feel your presence like never before. Father, I'm thankful for our staff that I get to serve with on a daily basis and the friendships and what they mean to me, Father. And I know how much they love this church. I pray that you would keep all of us focused on you and that we would not get tripped up by the cares of this world, that we would take care of our homes first and foremost well, our spouses and our kids. Father, I pray for those that are on the mission field. We have so many of our people that are out, some that are getting ready to go, that you would continue to equip them and make a way for them to get where they need to be and to reach the people that they need to reach, that you would help them in that. Father, as we as a church are trying to get out of debt so that we can do more of that, we can have more church plants and more missionaries and give more, I pray that you would help us be obedient in that and that we would knock that debt out sooner than later. Father, as we try to reach out to our Ridgeland and and beyond, I pray that you would help us find ways uh, to do that, um, to be a light in our community, to be a place where people know they can come and be loved and not judged. Father, I thank you that you have made a way for our salvation If there's somebody here that has not done that, Father, has not given their heart to you, has not repented from their sin and turned and followed you, I pray that they would do that. Father, I pray for our loved ones and friends that we know are lost, that are caught up uh, in the cares of this world, Father, that um, are running from you. Um, I pray that you give us the words that we need to say to them to bring them to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict 
and that they would find a place of repentance and give their hearts to you, Father. Thank you for so many blessings, so many that we can't even count. And thank you for loving us the way you do. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a good week. Don't forget to bring candy for the Fall Festival. Thanks.